because I've went gone through those wake up calls. I help other people to see their wake up calls. <laughs> this is Shameful Gone Sexy with me, Dr. Jocelyn Hart. Here, I share my truth from personal and professional experience in how to change your life, no fluff. Listen up, because I'm saying fuck you to fear, fuck you to judgment, and fuck you to anything and everyone who has kept you exactly where you are. I'm calling bullshit on behavioral mindset that's actually keeping you on that ruthless roller coaster. We are ditching the shackles of shame and instead lighting a fire up your asshole to get rid of the emotional constipation so you can be free to live as exactly who you are and love yourself for it. I'm going to share some discoveries that are going to make sense like nothing has made sense before. From the real reasons we binge to how we find our purpose, it's all on the table. I'm not here to inspire. I'm here to empower you to do exactly what it is you already want to do. Just like me, you've been through the trenches. Now you're claiming the trauma and I'll show you how to transform it into a fulfilling happiness you didn't think was possible. Trust yourself to take the ride. It won't disappoint. You are worthy. You are enough. And you are sexy as hell. Much love. And here we go. (laughs) So back in high school is when I switched from being a ballerina, which I was a ballerina from age three until 15. Long story short, there was a lot of poking and prodding there, and it was not a match for my body type. It was very clear to me. There was a lot of criticism and judgment and all that sort of stuff. And so then I left ballet, so I didn't have to balance on all four toes anymore, and I moved into doing crew. And with crew, like, that was for my body type. Every year that year, I gained 15 pounds, and that was since I was in freshman year of high school and at the time I thought that was totally normal and all that sort of stuff until I couldn't fit like clothes anymore which made me feel really uncomfortable and I moved into college and I started to compare myself to all these other people and I never really fit into any particular friend category when I was in high school. And so this was an opportunity for me to move into this new environment where I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to make connections with people. And so I decided that I was going to start getting skinnier. And I ended up losing more than my goal weight in the most unhealthy way. I was at the gym around three hours every day, and I was having the same same food every single day, and I was weighing myself at least three times a day as well. So every single decimal after the scale was so critical for my well-being for that entire day. And I started losing and losing and losing, and then I went past my goal weight because it was this addiction, because people would give me attention that... I didn't have before and started calling me things like skinny and skinny. I was like, Oh my God, I'm like a celebrity. Like it's like, it almost like meant that to me in my head. I was like, I've never been called that before. It almost felt like an identity. It felt like an identity. And I was like, Oh my God, I want more of that. Um, and so 
I just I just wanted more and more and more of that. So every single decimal that it went down, I was so excited. I even like would stop drinking water because it would give me any any inky little bit of pooch, right? And I was like, uh-uh. And I would I would like put myself to the point where I was almost going to faint every single day every time I stood up from my desk. I was not going out with my friends. I wasn't having fun. I was I was staying in my room go into my drawers and like get whatever candy or whatever was like put into there and I would have foods that I wanted to hide and all that sort of stuff and then I would avoid getting other certain foods and I was starting to eat weird foods too. When I was probably maybe two and a half or three years old my dad gave me this massive cookie and like at least at that point it looked massive and he taught me how to shove it into my face, like, as one full cookie. My parents, particularly my dad, really only my dad, no matter what, I had to finish the food on my plate. And if I disliked the food, I would have to eat it no matter what. I really got got into this, like, belief system that, like, you have to finish all the food on your plate no matter what, even if you weren't the one that put it there. Um, so I would be full, but I wouldn't really recognize that my hunger signals were not really being trained according to what my body was actually telling me. And anytime something good happened, anytime I was successful with something, we would, we would get something like we would, um, go get ice cream or we would whatever, like we would go to my favorite restaurant or whatever it was. And so food was this celebration. Food was this like sense of fulfillment that I like succeeded at something and this really was hand in hand too this was really hand in hand too with how success and proving my enoughness meant celebration it meant that I was going to have attention from my dad particularly it meant that I was doing enough it meant that it was it was worth attention and as I continued to get older you know a 99% on a test or on my overall grade was not enough. It was never enough. And there was always a serious disappointment that I didn't get 100 or 110 if there was a bonus opportunity of any kind. And if there wasn't one offered, I would I would have to ask for one. Like, it was very, very rigid, very, very, like, you're not doing enough. And I just remember absolutely fucking hating high school in terms of that because – I was in honors class and AP class and all these types of things that I just like really fucking hated. And like, I feel, I felt like I had to like cheat in order to get the attention that I wanted to have. Um, my dad had a lot of anger issues. Um, and, and I basically always wanted to try and keep the peace. I wanted to, and this is kind of where some of the people pleasing came in. I just wanted to make sure that he was not, um, he stayed like, he stayed away from the giant green hulk and we tried to keep things really really like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry so it was like always apologizing for fucking everything i did all of the time and um he would literally punch through walls he would flip tables he would pull his belt out like he was not he did not know how to process his anger very well and so it came off as aggression and although at now I can see that there's a lot of wounding that he has that has not been worked through. It's not fair for a young child to be 
um, threatened all of the time unless they do enough, um, which now I can kind of see how how that kind of goes into where all the destructive habits came from. I knew that food would bring me comfort. I knew that food was something that was safe. I knew that food was something that I could connect to because it had a sense of that, that fulfillment. And when I do something right, I get to have this. So when I wasn't doing things right, according to him, that would be a really great cue for me to want to feel that feeling through food. It was to the point where I was starting to really become like this, this anorexic type quality. And obviously as always happens, I lost all of that weight, 65 some pounds. And I ended up gaining it all back because I started to binge like crazy. Everything that I was not allowing myself to have, I would go nutso and just have everything in sight, even if it wasn't something that I even wanted to have. And it got to the point where I was in my senior year and I was just eating like I would freeze apples in my freezer because ice was something that like I really, really liked. Like I like cold things because I was deficient in a lot of things at that point. Um, I, I had like at least six, seven frozen apples per night after dinner. I would have an entire rotisserie chicken for dinner, like an entire one. Um and I would even eat the bones of it, too. Like, I would literally eat everything. Um, and that was, like, normal for me. I would have a bowl of mustard because it was according to the nutrition label. It was zero calories, and I would put stevia in it so that I could actually just, like, eat that as a food. I would be, like, having hot sauce on things because I knew it was zero calories. And, like, I would have these things as, like, my actual, like, meals And so when it came to, like, the one meal of the day that I basically saved up for so I could go crazy, it would be things like having an entire pizza. It would be things like having – it would be things like having an entire rotisserie chicken. It would be, like, going absolutely, like, 5,000% of, like, what I – what I innately knew was what I was, quote, unquote, supposed to be having or what my body, like – probably should be having instead but it didn't matter to me it was like this automatic just couldn't help it and you know I would literally go out and get these weird foods at like 11 30 at night I would go get an, a watermelon like an entire fucking watermelon eat that <laughs> like fucking midnight like it was like the weirdest shit and I couldn't stop like it was it was and my grocery bills were like thank God for student loans. Like, um, it got to that point where I was just binge restricting like over and over again. And then I started playing with actual purging too, which is really hard for me. Um, and I was in this binge restrict anorexia where I was just eat like absolute craziness. And then I would work out for hours, at least three hours in the gym every single day. There was no way I was going to ever let anybody see me like that. So I would hide in my room with the door closed because I also had two roommates, which didn't help the situation in terms of stealing food. Um, Because I wouldn't buy certain foods, and so I would steal their food 
And then I would literally go out of my way to go to the exact store where they got them, got that food item. I would have taken a picture of it before I binged on it because I knew I was going to have the whole thing. And then I would go out by the thing, bring it back, and make it look like exactly it was and put it back in the pantry. Um, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of shame. I knew that it was not normal. My lowest point was when I was in my senior year in the early fall, and I was I was so depressed and so secluded. I felt so alone. And I got to the point where I was in my bed, and I felt like I was a 1,000 pounds. I was, like, weighted into my bed, and I felt like I couldn't get out. And I had anxiety attacks, like, regularly that would literally get me wheelchaired into the emergency room multiple times a year at the worst hours, of course, because then my – but it got to a point where I just couldn't even get out of bed, and – Um, and my mom ended up having to come up to college for at least three weeks or something. And she would be, she would have to sleep with me in my bed as a 20, 20 year old. And because I couldn't go to sleep, I was literally like my head face down into my pillow, like fucking rocking myself to sleep, like legit in a fetal position. And I would, I would be telling myself not to hurt myself. Like I was, no, rather I was listening to the voices in my head that were telling me to hurt myself. And I would literally always think about knives. It was like specifically that all the time. I had to tell my roommates to hide the knives that we had. And that was in addition to having people hide all this other food that, Um, I just felt like I couldn't handle. And I think that's something that I didn't talk about before is that in college, you know how you go home for the breaks and stuff. Well, I did not buy all these different foods because I didn't go down all these different aisles that you're not supposed to go down. And so anytime I went home, because my home is filled with all these things that I wouldn't buy for myself, I would go crazy and I would have all these foods that I never like let myself have during school time which brought me even to a more depressed place because the more I ate the less I exercised like the worse it got and it got to a point where I had gone home and I think it was just for a weekend and I ended up being brought into the emergency room and I just remember like I was not conscious And I went into the emergency room, and they brought me into one of the patient rooms. And this was not uncommon for me to be in an emergency room with, like, put someone in the room with you just to make sure you don't kill yourself, basically. So that had happened multiple times before. So this wasn't new to me, um, having somebody there like that and asking me questions. And that time... I didn't get discharged, um, and I was brought into the psych ward, so to speak, or the psychiatric unit or whatever you'd like to call it. Um, It was a lockdown unit, and I was there for a week to two weeks, and that's when I started journaling because I had nothing else to do. I was amongst people who were 
addicted to all types of things and very destructive behaviors. And I remember I was 120 pounds then, my lightest I'd ever been. I remember being in the lunchroom and you could order anything you wanted. And so I did. And I had two massive meals worth of food and I just went crazy. And I remember one of the people saying like, oh, wow, like, you know, I could never eat that much or whatever. Like you stay so skinny. And I just remember that being like in my head and being like, if you only knew. (laughs) Then I got moved to inpatient eating disorder unit. The kitchen was locked at all times. So there was no food you could ever go to. So I'm like in my head being in fucking turmoil because I can't do that. And I also, you're not allowed to exercise in any capacity, including walking down the hallway. You can't go to the bathroom by yourself. You have to ask for permission. It doesn't matter what time of day. And they had to stand there while you're doing your thing. And so I was there for for at least a month and a half. Eventually I left. Um, I was stable enough to leave the inpatient eating disorder unit. It did not fix me whatsoever. It simply stabilized me. And I went to, I had a choice between being in a residence. So it was like a kind of like an inpatient outpatient, but like, like in between there. And I did not want to do that. I I was already in the hospital for so long. I was like, "Mm -mm, no. And so I did a hybrid, which is, um, which was an outpatient program. Um, so half the time you were there and half the time you were at home and it was very similar, except it was outpatient now. And so I remember doing, having people like CBT and therapists and like all these different modalities. And, and it was like, none of those things worked. I remember the therapists there just, like, didn't understand what I was going through. They were paid to listen, and that's that's pretty much that's pretty much what they did. But they had never been through what I'd been through. So they didn't understand um, things that I was saying, the things that I was struggling with. They were just, like, kind of there to hear me. And so I was just venting, and, like, um, they would try and give me solutions, but that they didn't, they didn't work for me, right, because they didn't understand what the fuck I was going through. And... Um, Yeah, I, uh, yeah. And I do remember when I came back to school eventually because I had to take a a medical leave to do all those, um, all those things at the hospital and whatever in treatment. Um, I remember coming back and telling my roommates, which was not easy, that I had been stealing their food for the past year and, um, and all that sort of stuff. I just couldn't help it. And, they they knew it wasn't a shock to them, but it was a shock to me that it was not a shock to them. But, like, they weren't me- mean about it, but I did feel really, really bad. I'm like, I'm such a bad person. I'm such a bad person. I'm stealing food. And I also remember when I was at home, like, my my dad was very worried. Like, he – this is kind of one of his turning points, too, from being, like – from what I perceive to be, like, terrifying – to seeing his true self through this process because what he realized was he was a very big trigger for me. I remember any time he went off and was yelling and screaming at my mom or 
threatening things in the house. Like I literally ran away. I remember running away in the rain. Um, like I would do this a lot. Like I would run and go into the woods and like he would drive around and try and find me. And I was like, that's the only way I'm going to get his attention. So I think that was like probably my like unconscious like thought about it. But I literally would run and like hide behind trees and like I would just be there for hours and I wouldn't come back. The only person I would talk to was my sister if she called me and I would talk to her. I didn't have a great relationship with my sister, but anytime I really needed her, I would I would absolutely like talk to her because she knows me better than anybody else. And so it really like in those moments, like these different moments, I realized like I just remember I wanted my dad to stay that way. I wanted him to be the caring person. And like I remember being able to like almost control him by being by by telling him like the triggers that were going on and that like if if he goes off like that then I'm going to be unstable and like that was that was the truth anytime he would yell and scream and threaten and verbally abuse people in my household I literally remember being so anxious that I was it was almost like I was I was unresponsive I would be technically awake, but my eyes were shut and my eyebrows were so furrowed and my face was so tight. I was unresponsive. Like I would not respond at all to anybody. And I would be like that for over an hour. The only thing that would wake me up was my little baby brother who is 13 years younger than me. And I remember like my sister trying to like help me come to, um, and I, like, wouldn't snap out of it. But my little brother was, um, like, he's my little baby. And so anytime that he came up to me, I, like, couldn't help it. I had to come out of it. Yeah, he's so special to me. So anytime, like, I had a really bad trigger, my sister would bring him over to me, and he would share his little blue bear with me. Yeah. I just remember. I just my brother I remember was like the only person in my life that consistently always made me feel like purposeful and happy and he was a lot of work my sister and I both took care of him a lot he loved me no matter what I didn't have to do anything I didn't have to be anything or do anything or say anything like he just did and no one else I felt like in my life was like that between my deepest point and being here, I had tried everything under the sun. I remember I had tried 26 plus diets, so that was the food aspect of it. I remember doing therapy for years on end, and I remember doing all these different things and like just trying to find some sense of stability and not even happiness, just to, like, feel something. And there were so many times in my life where I felt like I was healed. But I think there's a lot of times in life where you can feel like you're mentally healed, like you're physically healed. But I didn't know who I was still. I knew who I wanted to be for everybody else, and I knew what I needed to do according to my old belief system. I knew what I – I need to just do enough and be enough, and I never was – 
And according to myself at this point, because it was the same belief that I had from when I was younger, when I was in um, my, my doctoral program, at the end of the program, we had to do clinicals, working full time, but you were paying full time. <laughs> and I excelled in every one of them except for one. And this particular clinical instructor of mine, which is kind of your mentor, so to speak, she was like my dad. It didn't matter how much you did. It didn't matter any of those things, like you weren't doing enough. And that clinical, I failed. And I remember the other clinical instructors at the end of all my clinicals advocating for me and calling and calling the university, like, why is she not being passed through? I remember that so distinctly. And I just remember blaming it on that clinical instructor. And like, yeah, she was in her first trimester and all that sort of stuff. But I get to now feel into like why she was there. And she was there constantly triggering me. And I remember I was going to alcohol again and, and just like constantly being irritated and angry and frustrated. Had I not failed that clinical and not graduated with everybody else, I would not have started this business helping women go f- going through what I went through as early as I did. No matter where your story aligns with mine, you are beautiful because of it and you're sexy as hell.